Welcome to Forecast, Foreshadow Podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. Foreshadow is a spirituality literary magazine rooted in the Christian faith. This season, our theme has been Songs of Ascents, Pilgrimage and Worship, exploring the physical and spiritual journeys we make in search of God and fuller life. I'm Jarrell, and Joining us again, uh, as listeners who followed the podcast from the beginning uh, may remember, is composer and musician extraordinaire, Scott Stevens. So hey, Drew. Uh, welcome back to Forecast. Thanks, man. It's good to, good to be back. How are you today? Uh, you know, doing pretty good. Got my, got my coffee, as I saw you have, too. So, Up at Joe. Uh, the morning is uh, off to a, a caffeinated beginning so it is off to an awakened start yeah. um so um as uh listeners maybe who, who may be unfamiliar with uh your previous episode uh would you mind introducing yourself yeah so my name is scott stevens and i am a composer by trade and training um most recently i've taken up trying to make our backyard look like a garden so aspiring gardener and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a journey. Jarrell, uh, you and I went to school together at Point Loma, where we both uh, did our our music education, where they stuffed us full of the rules so that we knew how to break them when when we got out. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a real adventure adventure since. Wonderful. Yes, yes. The Point Loma Nazarene University connection is uh, That's right going strong. Is yes, very very present uh, in our in our uh, interactions on this on this podcast um well um so you are composer musician um and as a composer you've had uh, the opportunity to write music for uh, a plethora of things documentaries advertisements short films uh, various other outlets uh and, and you write with a breadth of uh understanding with um, musical styles elements uh, like uh, orchestral, jazz, uh, cinematic soundscape. Uh, would you tell us a bit about your music uh, and and where that comes from, the inspiration behind it? So, and granted, you know, very specific at times, you know, based on the thing that you are writing for. But uh, nevertheless, uh, will you indulge us? Yeah, totally. Um, so when you're writing for ads, <clears throat> the one of the most inspiring things is deadlines. <laughs> um, so you just got to get it done. And it does amazing things for your output. Um, but for actual like quality and, um, you know, themes, it can be all kinds of stuff. Like uh, I did, I had the, the privilege of scoring a film about, you know, our, our band director, Dan Nelson, a film made by Jared Callahan a few years back. And that was a really rich experience because there were so many important parts of his life that, kind of made their ways into the score. And if I'm being completely honest, when you listen to interviews with kind of triple A composers talking about like, oh, you know, we did the score for whatever superhero movie or whatever, you know, big, big movie is dominating the 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 box office. Um, sometimes those stories sound a little forced. And I think probably out of jealousy more than anything else, I used to think like, I don't know if that's all true. Like you just got to sell the story. But then um you know, working on the Dan film. And like, I think that was maybe a story where I was the most intentional about trying to 
make the score sort of emerge, not just from myself, but like really, really, really diving into the the fine finer points in the movie. So like looking at Dan's movements, going like, is that you know, is there a way to make the BPMs of the of the cues, you know, the speeds of all the the tracks for the soundtrack match, you know, basically his movements to sort of try and give conducting back to him. Um, there are a number of other things, but yeah, I think if it's a movie, the inspiration has to kind of come from the story and also my own life experience. You know, if, if, if someone's feeling an emotion that I've, I've felt before, then hopefully I can kind of tap into that, you know, and make it authentic. Um, when I'm just writing for myself, uh, I'm, I'm actually a really externally motivated writer or inspired writer. So like, you know, sometimes I can, I, I don't know. I feel like composers, we probably wish that we could just be like, yeah, the genius, you know, it just comes from inside of us and it flows effortlessly, which is so not the case with me. Like sometimes it's like pulling teeth out of an angry crocodile, but like, (laughs) um, if I hear, if I hear like a jazz track, that's got just like a really awesome rhythm, or if I hear, um, I love to listen and try and find music that's new maybe from world regions that I've, I've not been to music traditions that aren't necessarily Western, something that's unpredictable or surprising, or like maybe even something with really weird sound design. Um, it just tickles my eardrums and, and makes me go like, Oh my gosh, that's a new color. Like I want to try, <laughs> I want to try, try that. That was really, really cool. So um, yeah, the inspiration for my music, it's not plagiarism, but like I do get really, uh really stoked when i hear hear something that's well played well written well performed by um a musician or another writer that i i really admire wonderful yes uh what is that saying uh uh good poets imitate great poets steal something like that maybe i'm don't quote me uh, right. <laughs> or, like if, that. or if i do quote you then i'm certainly not going to tell anyone it was you yeah. <laughs> it was my idea um so it sounds like this idea then right of your own personal experiences uh you know the things that you're hearing uh your personal experiences are are then uh the inspiration to take and tell the uh, experience the stories of the experiences of others uh you know you're taking mm-hmm. pieces of your journey that also uh, kind of inform how you interpret and uh Going to create this soundtrack for other people's journeys um and and on this topic of journey or pilgrimage uh wondering how you can talk about uh you know your work as a composer and how um this idea of pilgrimage relates to the work that you're doing yeah i think we're all on a journey of of self-discovery you know not not to try and get too macro and zoom out too much here but like I think, I think for me, I have to, I've had to really work on trusting my instincts, trusting myself, which um, in an era where there's a lot of messaging, like you do you, you know, figure out who you are. Like, I don't, I don't mean to sound self-indulgent. What I mean is, you know, sometimes my instinct is to, is to go left, you know, if I'm writing a, a cue and because I'm my own worst critic, a lot of times I'll judge that idea before it's even had a moment to grow. Mm. And because I'm like trying to get something perfect or like really sounding at least like it's a, it's a whole and complete idea, not just like a sketch. 
when you're when you're writing for ads or sometimes even for other projects like the the deadlines are so tight they don't always afford a very comfortable window to be creative and so that makes it really difficult to to just trust your own process and trust that like the ideas you have are good or they might not sound good from the start but with work you know that they can be good and so for me it's weird it's that's that's happening on an artistic level right where i'm that's happening musically but it's also happening on a personal level so i think you know when i when i finished uh at point loma um i went and lived in los angeles for two uh yeah for two years and um i did like a film scoring program that lasted for, or it was like a mentorship that lasted maybe three weeks or a month and that was great like got into see all these studios and like kind of rub shoulders with people who are doing the kind of work that i hope to do um and then after that like i honestly really struggled to find uh sustainable work like being being a composer it's weird it can kind of be feast or famine and a lot of times it's it's famine and so i think when that for me like started to take on years and years of like really having to chase work and sometimes it might be a good project other times it was like oh man this is not gonna <laughs> i've bought groceries for a week fantastic um you know it really it really wears on your self-confidence and it really wears on your trust because especially when you're writing music that's such a personal thing and to put something out there and like maybe pitch it to a music library where they can attach it to something and you could potentially earn royalties you know to either get rejections or like no response um from people who are busy you know they get these kinds of emails like in the hundreds or thousands every day so you know you're also trying to remind yourself like they're human too they're doing the best everyone's doing their best it's not like the world's not against me um yeah it just it can really mess with your confidence and so anyways i i think that uh you know, I have started to trust my own, my own voice a lot more in the last uh, few years, but then, uh, you know, pandemic hit. And this, this is kind of a, a good launch point for my most recent pilgrimage, shall we say. Um, Callie was to start her master's program at a really cool school, uh, well-known school called University College London. And our plan had been to go in 2019 and then we had to defer that because obviously a lot of a lot of stuff uh went down and um so then uh or excuse me i think that was 2020 yeah and so we ended up leaving san diego where we lived and we ended up living with some family for a while to try and save money towards uh this program and my my hope had been that when we went, I would be able to get an assistantship with a composer for television or movies or, you know, whatever, and just learn firsthand, like, what are the pressures like? What are the deadlines like? What's their writing process like? You know, not not knowing for sure if that was even, you know, something I would be able to, to get. I'm a, I'm a Yankee coming to a country where, like, there's already British people and lots of other people trying to go after that work. And um, it feels miraculous, but when we got there, you know, within the first two weeks, I got connected to a composer named Murray Gold, who um, did a lot of music for the show uh, Doctor Who. And uh, yeah, I had a really great interview and just basically started up, started up with him. And that was, that was a really unique opportunity. And so um, while that work was really educational, it taught me a lot about, you know, looking at someone who has an enormous pile of work and like time management he's a dad 
So he's also trying to, you know, intentionally carve out time for his family and prioritize them. Like it was, it was cool to see that, but also, um, I think for me, I'd imagined maybe what some of that workflow looked like, but I'm not sure I completely knew just how much you have to sift through when it comes to that kind of work. So for anyone who doesn't know, if you're doing a, you know, a series, not, not a movie, but like a television series, um, you know, you might have to do anywhere from like seven to depending on how long the series is, maybe like 10, maybe 12 episodes of music. And um, while the composer is frantically writing to get that stuff out, like what my job was, was to sort of pave the way to make sure that the recording of the live music happened and, you know, we were ready for that. And so I'd be working with another guy on the music team uh, named Alistair King, who is just a phenomenal human being, like so good at what he does, but he also does it with a sense of humor and kindness, which, you know, just, it's a joy to work with. And, um, you know, while, while I was learning all these things, I made some mistakes and, uh, like there was one time I had forgotten to get, or not forgotten. I think there was a little bit of like crossed wires on communication. So I, um, basically hadn't gotten something to some producer at the time they were expecting it. And so, you know, there's this like deep, like, Oh, sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. And I was going like, Oh my gosh, I've ruined everything. Like, ah, oh, this is the end of my job. What am I going to do? I'm in London. It's so early. Like <laughs> I was the breadwinner because of this. Ah. And, um, you know, Alistair, the orchestrator, I, uh, so I think I'd probably CC'd him in on one of the, the emails that I sent out and he was just like, Oh man, like I, I know that feeling like everyone's been there when you make a mistake and it feels like it's going to grind production to a halt or you know something and and just I was shown a lot of grace and like kind of merciful kindness in that moment and so that was really 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 helpful for me too because I think on my journey prior to being an assistant I was trying to build my brand so you're trying to like outwardly project this confidence and like I know what I'm doing and not let people know that really you're insecure and you have you know imposter syndrome and you're like please like my music I hope and so when you're working for someone else and feeling like, oh no, I'm going to hurt, you know, I'm hurting his, his workflow. Like that, that was a big uh, stress point for me when I made, when I made that mistake. And I think also when you're working on something for a network and it's not just like a, you know, maybe a smaller project that might not have as wide a view um, in my mind, anyways, I built that into a lot of stress. And so um, actually, you know, while I know I, I should be <laughs> focusing more on the music, the pilgrimage that really has has stretched out of that that period and started during that period um, has been a, a pilgrimage of trying to learn how to manage stress and also to be kinder to myself. Um, hmm. Like I, you know, I, I think sometimes the word therapy gets uh, stigmatized, but or like it can be something where if someone's had therapy, like they don't want anyone to know about that. But I'll, you know, I'll just tell you, like, I was feeling so much stress trying to get uh, a lot of the, the episodes ready because you're getting like enormous Pro Tools sessions with like so many mic positions. And like what I was doing was not even a full orchestra. So, you know, hats off to to the guys who have to handle much bigger sessions for films. But um, while I was I was getting the work done, um, I was feeling such pressure, such enormous pressure. Some of it self-imposed. Some of it was, you know, it was real because the deadlines were very tight. 
um, that like I'd feel almost like a like a constriction in my chest and was just you know mentally like trying to fight for you know fight for for peace uh, I think and so peace of mind anyways yeah. and so I had to start I I, ta- I got in touch with a, a therapist through a friend and it was so helpful to talk with someone who is an expert in how to manage stress and like had so many tools that you know I I wouldn't have thought of just because you know, that's not my purview. We all just kind of do our best. And sometimes it works out. But for me, I, I needed the extra help. I needed someone to be able to tell me like, Hey, you sound like a very, you know, all or nothing kind of person. Um, where, especially in your own work, like, unless you're ticking all the boxes off, um, you might not feel fulfilled at the end of the day, or you might get stressed out because you didn't do it to the level you, you know, aspired to, um, or like, if you do have the stress or like, you know, the negative voices in your head going like, I don't know if you're going to make it or you're not doing very good. Or like, these people don't really think you're doing a good job. You know, it's like, it's insidious, the stuff that you, you know, you have to to fight with. Maybe not everyone. I hope not everyone has, you know, that much, um, opposition within their, their own minds, but like, uh, yeah, you know, getting to talk with someone who could kind of journey with me and say, Hey, like you know, let's try some positive self-talk. And I should say, this isn't, this wasn't just coming from a perspective of like, let's be positive and like work on that. This guy was a a strong, strong Christian, like also a preacher, if I remember right. And so being able to holistically look at like, you know, the condition of the mind, the condition of the, the posture of the spirit, you know, I think when it comes to composition and music related, you know, I've been so, so desperate and so driven to try and like, get into the industry so to speak um that i i was probably holding on to that with kind of a vice like grip you know like white knuckle like i'm gonna do this dang it by the you know by grit and determination no matter what happens and what that meant was that i wasn't really trusting god with that as much and even now like that's still a day-to-day battle um i think a lot of us probably start our days going like all right cool like i want to you know I want to be a good, good, uh, good Jesus rep today. And, uh, I'm going to go and be salt and light in the world and try and offer like kindness and all these things that we're taught to embody. Um, and then at least for me, like a lot of times I start work and then, you know, the work's so engrossing or like requires so much attention that I'm not always like setting my mind on, you know, how am I doing this? Like, who, who am I doing this for? Like, who am I helping by doing this work? Like, who am I going to add value to? Um, and the other side of it too, is like a lot of the work I do is, is usually pretty self-contained. Um, so like I'll create in a vacuum. Um, most recently I've been working on some stuff where I, I interface more with like mentors or some of the other people in, in the industry that, uh, have been able to, to help out. So that's been, you know, the community has been good there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, a it's been a good, a good journey and I'm still on it, but, uh, it, it can be definitely be a slog at times too. So for anyone who's out there trying to chase their dream or like trying to just keep their head above water with the the work that they're doing, like you're not alone. Um, I, I had a really helpful conversation with, um, a mentor after Callie and I flew back from London last, uh, December which at the time we were also like in culture shock too, because we were like, where are all the trains? <laughs> um, everything's so big. Our neighborhood could fit inside this Costco parking lot. Oh my gosh. 
Um, so, you know, like I, I was already like a little shaken with culture shock and like missing, missing London and, and some of what had become familiar over there. But um, yeah, I, I had called up a, a mentor and we had a great Zoom conversation and he actually had told me too, like, yeah, man, like I, you know, you're not alone in the therapy thing. Like plenty of people in this industry have to talk to people because the pressures are enormous. Like if you're working on a pro like a film that's going to be released or a television show or a video game or something like, you know, that I, I don't want to just come out and say that like all the deadlines are unreasonable. Um, Cause you know, stuff has to get done, but like a lot of people are under a lot of stress. And so um, yeah, it's been, I've been, you know, using, using some software uh, recently that kind of allows you to create shortcuts, but in a way that's a lot more stable than a lot of other, other options out there. And so like I started making some shortcuts for a buddy in London and uh, uh, it, it's really satisfying to be like, Oh, I just saved this guy, you know, some time, like every time he has to do this repetitive task. So yeah, weirdly I've actually been like dabbling and coding and stuff too, which is not something I ever thought I'd be doing, but is kind of fascinating. And, uh, um, you know, when I'm not, when I'm not writing, which has been for a while now, cause I've been trying to learn as much as I can about coding. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's nice to come to a world where like reason and rationality reigns. It's like, no, there, there's, there's a way to do this. And if you can figure out the code, like it's going to work. And when it works, you're just like, yes, I got that thing to, to do the thing. And then you go back into like composition in the creative world where sometimes it feels like chaos and all these like nebulous things that you're trying to create order out of. So I think having both is actually pretty helpful. <laughs> a, a good balance uh, of two workflows. Yes. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like coming back to it, I was just uh, uh, to like the journey of trying to not hold so tightly, right. To, to um, trying to be a quote unquote successful composer. What and honestly, defining success is also another really important thing to do. Um, Cause if you don't have a clear definition of that, or if it's too short-sighted, then, you know, you can live with a lot of discontentment for a while. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I lost my point. I'm just yammering at this point, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Why don't we move on to your next question? No. Or if I question. No, that's <laughs> I'll great. get back on track. Uh, yes. Uh, I guess maybe what I'm gathering there is a little bit of uh, embracing some of the uh maybe the looseness the imperfections if you will maybe you know maybe that's a way to say it wabi-sabi oh, yeah. i'm not using that term a little too oh no that's uh, i think that's an appropriate use yeah or like um, there's the, the art of kin i think is it kintsugi like if you have broken pottery you're mending it with this really cool like gold um it's not a glaze oh, like yes, gold yes, binding, yes. binding agent so that you're highlighting the imperfections but it's also kind of stronger than it was before Yes. These are Japanese okay. terms for anyone tuning in. Yes. <laughs> not, not aware of wabi sabi or kintsugi. Taking some uh, twists and turns. Yes, some Japanese uh, ways of thinking. Um, Which I forgot to mention. I, I grew up in Japan for like eight years. I was going to say this is a little uh, little nod to that. Yeah. But uh, yes, like hearing all of those those thoughts there and and all you, you what you're sharing, Scott, about uh, it's easy to kind of forget that you know. Everybody kind of has, each one of us maybe is holding up a facade of some sort that we want to project to the world of who we are. And uh, it can be easy even in seeing that, that illusion that we all have need of, uh, well, yes, like therapy or um, 
just reminding that it, it, walking alongside each other is really what is happening. Like your mentor is even uh, uh, being candid with you. you. They've experienced some of those same things. Um, and that's a thing that uh, is so valuable to remember. Um, it can be so isolating. It can be so isolating to, you know, if, if you're, if you're letting, you know, whatever the, the quote unquote darkness is in your life, mm. just camp out, then it's, I think, you know, honestly, if we're, if, if we want to kind of pivot towards, you know, spirit life, faith journey, like that's, that's the, that's the way that the devil will just make you feel like you're the only one. Um, and so mm. it can be really, really easy to get isolated from, from community. And like, I think God calls us to live in community, like in Christianity, you know, community is a word that obviously got thrown around a lot at Point Loma. And I think, you know, even while we were there, people were like, oh, there's that C word again, because it was in like every, everything that Point Loma printed, it was like community, come experience the community at our university. But it's like, that was such a great thing for them to instill. Because, you know, in God's idea of community, like, back in the ancient world, we had sects right or like guilds or trade um trade groups or you know people who would affiliate with each other but these were still pretty closed off and limited to exactly that like your trade and so for god to be like no it's like you know people of all ages every walk every walk of life like you all have value like come and come and do do life together i mean that was that was a pretty good idea <laughs> yes yes uh just yeah a reminder that every single one of us you know is we're we're doing this together the more you kind of i see it walking through life and you know everybody on their own path we're really on it together um and it doesn't work uh without that um you just really realize how much everything is intertwined everything is connected we're all connected um and uh yes there's a comfort in that i think um oh, yeah. Uh, as much as we try to, as much as we fight it, I think too. Um, well, uh, I, I guess we should, we can move on to. Um, we've been asking our uh, our guests, you know, what are uh, some of the the texts, or maybe it's scripture, maybe it's um, other literature um, that that strengthen and nourish your faith. Uh, maybe things that inspire you. What are those things for you? Hmm. It's a lot of things. Um, it's not, and it's not, it's not, I think in your question, you'd said texts or other, which was really helpful because <laughs> sometimes it is text. Sometimes <laughs> it's, it's a lot of other. Um, oh, for me, you know, I, I think as a, as a, if I were to think of Scott as like with the banner of composer over me, um, then I, I really need both like spirit and soul nourished on a faith level and artistically. And when there's, when there's other artists that I think have a really deep, deep, deep dependency on Jesus, where they're not trying to rely on themselves or they're being really honest about, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the answer to some question that I, that I had and had to live towards the answer. Um, that's, that's really validating and really helpful, I think, to, cause, uh, what was it? There's an interview with, um, the, the singer of fly, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, like great funk band, right? From from back in the day. And Sly said to uh in response to the question from the interview interviewer, he was like, uh, 
sometimes in order to get to it, you got to go through it or no, it's the other way around. You got to go through it to get to it. And I was like, that's such a simple way of, of putting it. But um, yeah. So one of the writers that comes to mind is Anne Lamott, who mm. has a wonderful tone and sometimes, sometimes some salty language, if I'm being honest, but like she, I think understands quite intimately as an author, you know, the, the journey of faith and, and, and pressures that we face questioning ourselves, questioning our decisions. Um, sometimes you're like, okay, God, like, I feel like you put inspiration in my, my heart to want to do, you know, this. And I think this is what you're telling me to do, but like, is that what I, what you're telling me to do? Like, it feels like the road maybe should be smoother. Um, side note, God never promised comfort or, or ease. So that's another mm -hmm. one to, to remember, but, uh, uh, also, uh, Madeline Lengel, she's got a book that I think you and I both probably read at Point Loma called uh, Walking on Water, which is a collection of, you know, her, her thoughts, anecdotes from her life, as well as, you know, things that have inspired her. So it's even better than me having to go out and like curate all this stuff by myself, like an artist who I admire and enjoy the works by and, you know, had a really strong, strong walk uh, of faith has curated her favorite thing. So that's like a great resource. And in, in that book, um, one of the things she says is if you don't, if you don't doubt, you won't inquire. Hmm. And I think that in our faith journeys, you know, for me, sometimes I don't want to inquire. <laughs> I'm scared of the answer. Like, God, do you still want me to compose? Cause it feels like the, there's a lot of roadblocks that I've experienced. And like, if you're answering prayers, then I'm, I'm just not seeing them or you're answering them in ways that I'm not understanding right now. Um, what, you know, which is, which is totally possible. Uh, so I think, you know, those, those things like, while they're not offering just concrete answers all the time, like having, having them be honest about, about the journey being nebulous or being hard to know what's coming next, uh, that that's really helpful. Um, also, and, you know, obviously like I, I think a lot of people would probably just say the Bible or like a, a book from, from the Bible that's particularly reaching them, which if I'm honest, like I, I have neglected to be reading the Bible as much as I, I know I should, which is a rote answer that a lot of people probably have. But I can say for myself, like in the absence, I think there are things I used to fall back on that would be a firmer landing ground. And so that's something that I, I am trying to do. I've, I've jumped in on a, a Bible study recently at the church we're going to. And we're going through the book of Matthew and it's just a reminder of like just how smart Jesus was. Like, I think it's easy to see him and talk about him as the son of God. And he is that, but also just to, to think about like, he was the smartest person that has ever walked the earth. If you look at the way that he answers questions, if you look at the, like the critique that he had of the power systems at the time and the way that he was, he just baffled people, right? Like it's been really, nourishing to see someone come into you know into the roman world which was like a huge empire right and their rome would probably say look we've brought peace um to this massive region and really what it was was a lot of oppression and like taxes and you know people getting just ground down into the dust and you had uh within uh within jerusalem like power groups that were trying to curry favor with rome so that they could stay in power or like be associated with power and then you have this guy this rebel coming in going like that's 
this is not this is not the kingdom of god like this isn't how things are are to be done and he looked out for like people who you know well i I won't say people who he looked out for everybody that was his heart but you know placing an emphasis and a and a focus on people who are downtrodden and um, bringing hope to the world like that wasn't the sexy thing to do at the time that's not what that's not what what rome would have been like why would you favor weakness like why would you even try and nourish that like power man power and success and i think like as i'm saying that aloud to me i've seen i have seen some of the the pressures that get put on people within like the film and tv industry and it i mean they're enormous man like I think we all want to go into our, our fields of work to try and, and, uh, you know, do it and do it in a healthy way. But like, I don't know, it, this gives me pause because I think that I'm someone who would tend to be a workaholic. Like I would just try and, you know, grind myself into nothing to try and get, you know, something across a finish line. And, um, from a work standpoint, from a faith standpoint, like that's such a scarcity mindset. And I think, if we really, if I really believe that, you know, I, I trust in a God who can take a people away from an empire into the desert and provide abundance when they've been living in scarcity and like can reform that mind, then, you know, these, these are the questions I have to live with. So those are, those are the texts. Um, I don't know. One of the things, one of the things I actually have a really hard time with, uh, these days is a lot of a lot of worship music. Um, so I think, you know, at, at Point Loma, you know, being led by George Williamson and like these amazing worship leaders and a lot of the the songs there, like that was a really nourishing, nourishing season. So I don't mean to critique that, but I've, I feel like since uh, since college, since, uh, you know, maybe some of it's just like I was chasing music so hard that it's like hard for me to engage with with music um i find that a lot of like modern modern worship songs um that i hear anyways tend to be very me focused like very god you and me you and me you and me mm-hmm. you love me and that's not bad god absolutely does uh but i think i i wrestle with that because it it feels like there's not substance for like pushing for spiritual growth or like looking outward at like if we're to be salt and light in the world, like look at, look at what's happening around the world right now. There is such grief and loss. Like there are so many people who are seeking asylum. You have people who are leaving their countries because they literally can't grow food. Like there's just so much happening, um, which isn't to say like, you know, you can't think about yourself, but I, I, uh, yeah, I, a lot of the, the lyrics of at least newer songs are, I don't know. They're, they're they're a little hard for me and that may not always be the case some of that could just be like where i'm at right now in this season so what's been really nourishing for me honestly is like places that are kind of remote and quiet so when callie and i were living in london um we were uh we we callie's become i'll just say she's become a real master at like credit card hacking and by that i mean you know, spending, we spend on the stuff that we need, like groceries and and all that stuff. But she's been really good about going like, no, we get the most points if we spend, you know, on groceries with this card. And because of that, we've been able to travel um, in ways that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. And we've gone to like, 
these coastal regions in Wales, or we were able to um, take a trip to Iceland, which is just, if you've ever seen pictures of Iceland, like God was having a good day. It's, <laughs> it, it's some of it's really barren. So it could seem like, was he having a good day? Um, depending on your, your disposition, I suppose, but like seeing the waterfalls and rock formations and these, these coastlines that are just ruggedly beautiful and, uh, oftentimes like when we would travel it, would, it might be on the off season so it'd be like cold and rainy and windy and you're like you're maybe the only person out there <laughs> people are going like why are, why would you go at this time of year um but like in those moments that's where i have felt really filled like most filled i think in my spirit and sometimes it's just because of the absence of sound um which is ironic for someone who who writes music for a living um but I think in that stillness, it's not even that I'm always able to like hear the voice of God. I don't think I've ever heard the voice of God, not audibly. You know, I might feel like promptings or like recurring thoughts or something like that. That's maybe how God speaks to me. And sometimes it's through other people. But um, in those moments, it's just like, boy, like I've not shown up and marred or, you know, changed anything about this. Like this is just uniquely beautiful because of the way it was made. And like that to me speaks to the glory of God and fills me in a way that, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I can always put it into words. Um, maybe I'm just saying I like the outdoors, but I think it's more than that. I like, I, I think it may be on some level, it's almost like in appreciating these remote and like rugged and sometimes like wild occasionally dangerous you're like oh don't get that close to the water like these are the waves that are going to pull you out into the ocean um it feels like i'm maybe sharing in the pleasure that god had in making it and i think as a creator that's really nourishing yeah. um to think to think about and it or not think about like just be i think that's the beauty of what god does is like we don't have to understand it i think you know, sometimes in the Bible studies I go to, or like you'll have conversations with people and they'll ask questions about faith, or sometimes it can get like into a semantic battle. Like, do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to God? And like, in those moments, I'm just like, that's above my pay grade. Like, I don't, I don't know the answers to these. What I do know is that like, when I stand by the remote cliffs of, you know, Pembrokeshire, Wales, and there's no one else around and I'm seeing like all this green, like stuff growing on the rocks and and this beautiful coastline like i don't have to understand it because it's good if it, it fills me and that's that's a, that's enough for me to know that i think that's that's kind of the the mystery so yeah, yeah um nature is another one and then i guess just shortly uh there's there's two preachers that have been really like eye-opening for me um that I, I listen to a lot. One is a, a great theologian named N.T. Wright. He's based in Oxford and he's a, he's just one of the most amazing minds where you hear him speak and it's kind of like you read stuff and then it doesn't leave. <laughs> like I read stuff and sometimes it just falls out the other side. Cause I probably take in too much information on a weekly basis, trying to learn how to do coding or, you know, music techniques or whatever. But anyways, um, N.T. Wright, is a phenomenal uh, Christian thinker. And um, I've been watching short, you know, kind of short videos that he puts up on his, on his YouTube channel. Um, usually every, every morning if I can, uh, but not always on weekends, which this is not confessional when I'm missing, but uh, 
uh, yeah, usually on my weekday, that's a good way for me to start off. Um, and then, uh, like one of the things that he, he was really driving home in a, a couple video series recently was, I think the, a prominent idea in a lot of circles within the church is like when we go to heaven that that concept of like yay we get to leave the world and like escape and things will be great and good um just leave it all behind just restart like it's gonna be good um that wasn't a christian thought at all like that i forget what the philosophical philosophical group was back in the day but that's that's not that's not really founded on anything in in uh in the bible uh god you know all the languages like god's kingdom is coming to earth um, you know, he sent his son to come and be with us on earth. And so I think, um, it, you know, it can, it can help, help reframe things so that you're not trying to live your life going like, okay, but at the very end, like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like I finally get to leave all this behind. It's like, no, like we're living, we're living in admittedly maybe like a shadow of, of what the true fullness of God's creation is like, but you know, uh, I, I believe like after, after death, you know, we're, we're living in the world that God made and it, it will be maybe some of this world and uh, like that bigger. Uh, C.S. Lewis puts that really wonderfully at the end of his uh, Chronicles of Narnia series where it's, it, it's, they describe kind of the, the world as they're seeing it is just, it's like, it's bigger and just stretches so much further. And it's like, Oh, does it like further up and further in or something like that? I know I misquoted that, but, um, I've also been, uh, listening to sermons by, uh, Nazarene pastor, who's, I think now a GS I'm trying to remember, I'll be honest. I'm not actually like amazing at knowing the, the hierarchy of, of the Nazarene church, but it's like one of those top, <laughs> top positions, but, um, <clears throat> Scott Daniels was the, excuse me, <clears throat> Scott Daniels was the, the preacher at the church I went to in Los Angeles, uh, while he was also on, uh, the, like the head of the, um, theology department at Azusa Pacific. And now he's, he's not living in LA anymore, but he is still preaching and does such a good job of, um, contextualizing the old Testament, which I don't know how, you know, how much people listening read the old Testament. Sometimes it's like, man, this is, this is a little hard to stomach. Like this is really intense or really violent or, boy, that's a lot of names and lineages. And how's that even apply to my, to my faith? But, um, he's been preaching recently about, um, the, the importance of, of not, not letting the echo chambers that exist, you know, I don't want to just like totally switch over to, to politics or, or anything else, but like, there's, I feel like there's a lot more anger and frustration that you see either on social media or like just around you know, the, the people you encounter, a lot of uh, feelings of like, man, the world is not what it used to be, or it's not how I'd like it to be, or, um, you know, what, pick, pick, pick your poison. Um, and, you know, like, we're, we're called, I think, to, to be in the world and to help, like, you look at, you look at Israel, who got uprooted, right, they, they, they got taken into the desert, and then God like brought them into the, the promised land. And then they were like, okay, God, like you're great, but we'd really like a human king. You know, we'd like someone to rule over us and guide our, our steps. And then that just went wonderfully, right? 
and then they get uprooted and they're in Babylon. And while they're in Babylon, this enormous empire, um, you know, fighting kind of to, to retain their identity and like help other generations remember like, God, you know, we're God's people and God provided for us, even though it feels like right now you're in this, you know, thriving empire where there's all these new opportunities and stuff like don't lose, you know, lose track of, of who you are. Um, you know, even so, whether you're being oppressed or not, like you can still work for the good of the city, like work for the good of those around you. And I think that that's a really good reminder, you know, to go like my identity is not, you know, you heard me talking about the struggle of holding on to composition too much. You know, my identity can't be too strongly linked to that. Um, Cause then I'm just defined by what I do, which is boring and unhealthy um, <laughs> or, you know, or, or like, uh, you know, I only want to help out the people who can help me get a leg up in the industry or something like that. Or, you know, I, it's easy for me to uh, hang out with people who have the same opinions as me. Like, that's just so not, that's like so missing the fullness of what God calls us into. And so I think Scott Daniels does a wonderful job of, of um, contextualizing old Testament and new Testament scriptures and trying to like kind of remind the church what it's, what its call is, what its role is. Um, because I don't like, yeah, I, I think, I think it's really easy to lose sight of that on a personal level. And like, as a, as a, a larger, a larger structure. So, yeah, I think that between the YouTube videos by these great thinkers that, or at least I, you know, I think they're great at they're, they're nourishing me and, you know, writers who've gone before and have lived to the struggle and, uh, nature like that try that trifecta right now is is kind of where i <laughs> i feel get my my fuel for my tank i love it yes thanks scott uh i think that's i think that's why i, I love this question because it uh, is a reminder it, it reframes and recenters kind of like our place in the world like yes that those who have gone before paved the way uh for us to know the history of what people were thinking uh and and all this uh you know valuable thought that uh that has been before us and um just a reminder that other people yes have been walking this journey right and uh um so yes thank you for that and so i scott this has been wonderful uh thank you for all your uh for insights for your being willing to share with us um that to join us again on this podcast um and so if if folks want to uh see what you're doing see what you're up to uh where can they go um <laughs> sorry the only reason that's a that's funny is because right now i feel like i'm so spread out on on the internet um <laughs> if you go to uh <clears throat> oh, man, one way my, or another is all, uh, my, <laughs> all my handles are falling out if you go to my website www.scottastevens uh, com, that's a that's a good launch point and i've got you know social social media stuff there the reason i was pausing is because i don't know about you I, you can use a, a service called Linktree, which is sort of the catch-all it's literally just if a landing page for people to be like oh there's his instagram oh there's his you know his twitter formerly twitter now x or whatever there's his linkedin so um i'm sorry long answer for a short question <laughs> oh, my, my web my website's great www.scottastevens.com Wonderful. And, uh, and anything in the pipeline, uh, coming down that, that folks, um, can keep an eye out for. 
Um, let me think. Uh, well, right now, actually, I'm just kind of in the process of pivoting from not composition work that I've been doing back into composition work, which means that I will be actively pursuing <laughs> the the finding of work. So, um, yeah, let's let's come back to that question in a, in a couple months' time, and uh, I'll I'll let you know which Marvel film I'm scoring, and we'll you know <laughs> take it from there. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Um, till then, the listeners can enjoy all the music that you have recorded up to this point, um, which is featured on. I believe the Spotify is also in that link tree, yes. right? So, yeah. um, yes, uh, do check out that music um, uh, and be inspired. And with that, if you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with someone you think would appreciate it uh, via your social media channels uh, or however you'd like to share this podcast. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to get in touch by emailing us at Magazine at gmail.com or connecting on various social media platforms. You can also visit foreshadowmagazine.com to read new writings and listen to other work posted every week. Thanks for listening. That's the forecast. <laughs>